Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. Well, thank you so much for wishing me a happy birthday. I truly appreciate that. Around this time of year, my mom would always talk about beware the Ides of March because that's when I was born. It's, it's interesting to know you were born on the same day Julius Caesar was assassinated. That's something to be remembered by. We're, we're studying on obedience and by looking at the disobedience of King Saul. In the Old Testament, the blessings of the promised land were conditional upon Israel's obedience. And as long as they obeyed, they would possess the land. But if they disobeyed and lived in disobedience, then they would actually lose the land altogether. In the New Testament, obedience is how we tangibly show our love for God. Look with me at John 14, 23. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And so we see here in John 14 that if we love the Lord, we will obey. Obedience is evidence of love. And if we obey the Lord, he will love and abide with us. Isn't that awesome? If we walk, see, to be in the presence of the Lord is to be walking in obedience. And when we walk in obedience, God is with us. And obedience is is for our benefit and blessing. Obedience is better. Jesus also said in John 15, 10, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. When we obey God's word, we remain in his love. And not only that, but obedience brings joy. Complete joy. That's, isn't that a great benefit of obedience? That when we walk in obedience with the Lord, he gives us joy. And when we speak of of obedience to God's commands, we mean all of the Lord's commands. How many know we can't pick and choose which ones? You know, I like commandment number seven, but I don't like number three. And so some commands may be easier to obey than others. So which commandment is easier to obey? Do not murder or do not worry? How about do not steal or do not be afraid? Which commandment is easier? Do not commit adultery or do not be anxious for anything. You see, it's not just the big ten commandments that God is calling us to obey. It's these other commandments we may often overlook. I mean, no, the Lord does not want us to worry. He makes it a commandment. Do not worry. Just like do not steal. I think we need to think about this because we... We don't, you know, we're not so much concerned about the big commandments. We're good on those. But how about these? Do not be anxious. Do not be afraid. I think God wants us to take our obedience even deeper and follow these commandments as well. Because obedience will help calm our worries and our fears. It will not only bring us joy, but it will bring us peace. And when we obey, there are benefits. It is, it is the truth. Now, we don't obey just to be blessed, but there are blessings for obedience. We obey because we love the Lord and we want to please Him. Now, let's look at the setting of our story that we've been studying. Saul and his army were 
called by God, they were given a mission by God to destroy the Amalekites and not to keep anything for themselves. The Amalekites, centuries earlier, had attacked Israel as they were coming up out of Egypt into the Promised Land. And so there, it was time for punishment for the Amalekites. And so God called Saul and his army to wipe them out. But instead, Saul and his soldiers kept the best animals for themselves and spared the king, Agag, the king of the Amalekites. In so doing, Saul disobeyed the direct command of the Lord. Let's pick up our story at 1 Samuel 15, 13. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? And Saul answered, The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. Stop, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission, saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. Now the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Verse 24, then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. No, duh. I have violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the people, so I gave in to them. Let's review our previous points. Again, Saul had a problem with obedience. And we can learn from Saul's example of what not to do. And so here are some causes of disobedience that we studied last week. Number one, partial obedience to God's specific instructions. Saul obeyed, but only partially. And we see that incomplete obedience is really disobedience. God is looking for full obedience to all of his commands, not just partial obedience. Another source of disobedience is, number two, subjective interpretation of God's objective commands. Saul and his army were unwilling to destroy everything completely, but kept the best of the animals for themselves. Never mind that God said destroy everything. How I many know we're not called to try to interpret for our own sake God's commands? We're called to obey them. And you know what? If we try to interpret them ourselves, then we can twist them and make them say anything we want. That's what the Pharisees did. But God has called us just to obey his commands, to heed his voice. Another symptom of disobedience is, number three, an overestimation of our own importance. 
When Samuel goes to confront Saul, he's not there. He is busy elsewhere setting up a monument to himself. Can you believe this guy? Instead of setting up a monument to God, he, can, he sets up a monument to himself. In the same way, keeping the best of the animals and the king alive were other trophies that Saul wanted on his display stand to show his military prowess and pride. And God considers arrogance as serious as the sin of idolatry. Arrogance and self-importance will lead to disobedience, and this is where we left off last week. All that was review. How was that? That was free. Now this is going to cost you. Here we go. Another evidence of disobedience is, number four, an unwillingness to take personal responsibility. Oh, by the way, all these notes are on our app. I know these are long points. I usually have a, just a few words after the points. But I encourage you to get the app and review the notes throughout the week. One time I had a, a man tell me that he saved all my sermon notes in another church I pastored. And that he was reading through them one time and God really spoke to him at that moment what he needed to hear. So I, I encourage you, review the notes throughout the week. Because see, I want to preach something on Sunday. You can live on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's the whole point of me preaching up here, is not just to talk at you and tell jokes, although I love doing that. But it's so we can, we can apply these things to our life. How many know God wants us to apply the word to our lives? That's part of obedience, is taking God's word and applying it to our lives. And so I, I just encourage you to think those things through during the week. Saul was unwilling to take personal responsibility. He continues to insist he obeyed the instructions. However, the evidence was right there. Anybody could see it. Anybody could hear it. I mean, can you imagine Saul trying to hold, trying to hide all the cattle and what sheep, what cows? I don't know what you're talking about. Moo. <laughs> the first words out of Saul's mouth were, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. I mean, no, he, he's already guilty he, and he knows it. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of sheep I hear and the mooing of cattle? It was so obvious to everyone except Saul that he had disobeyed. He couldn't hide all the animals he had taken. And when confronted again, he reiterates, but I did obey the Lord. Saul said, I went on the mission I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back their king, which was not what God said to do. So now we have twice Saul claims to have obeyed, though it was so obvious that he hadn't. Thomas Constable's notes says this, rather than confessing his sin right off the bat, Saul sought to justify his disobedience. Do we ever try to justify our disobedience? Yeah, God, I know I disobeyed, but I had a good reason to. And so Saul seeks to justify his disobedience. He believed it was for a worthy purpose. And he failed to take responsibility for his actions and blamed the people instead. We'll get into that in just a little bit. You know what? When we disobey, we need to own it. We can't be free of the consequences of disobedience until we acknowledge we have, we have disobeyed. We can't 
put it on anyone else either. We have to take this personal responsibility. And I'm telling you what, when you take personal responsibility, it actually sets you free. We're afraid to do it. We, wanna, we don't want to take responsibility. Uh, it's not my fault. It's, I, I didn't do this. I, you know, it was, I was born this way. It's not my fault. And the, the problem is, as long as we're doing that, we're making our lives worse. It's making it harder for us, not better. And the reality is, we, we really can't put it on anyone else. Once we become an adult, how many know we got to stop blaming our parents for everything? You know, every talk show on TV, it's to blame the parents. But once you become an adult, we got to start looking at our own lives. No one can force us to disobey God's word. And even though Flip Wilson, anybody remember Flip Wilson? I'm showing my age. What was his famous saying? The devil made me do it. Some of you, I'm, you could probably YouTube Flip Wilson these days and you can hear him say it for himself. Even the devil can't make us do it. Oh, certainly he can, he can tempt us and, and we can have peer pressure. You know, peer pressure doesn't just end in high school. It can carry on through our lives as well. But peer pressure is, it's real, it's genuine. But even then, we can't blame it on the peers. We have to accept it for ourselves. I vividly remember a, a situation in second grade. You're like, sure. I'm serious. I vividly remember this, and there's a reason why. Our teacher in second grade was dissecting a dead bird. I don't know if she's trying to scar children or what in second grade. But she cut open the bird, and then she cut open the bird's craw. Everybody know a bird has a craw where they keep gravel and stuff to churn up the seeds and stuff? YouTube it. <laughs> so she cut open the bird's craw, and it, there were still some seeds in it. And so someone dared me to eat one of the seeds from the craw of the dead bird. Now, how many of you think I ate it? <laughs> wow! What do you take me for? I did not eat a seed. I ate two. It sure explains things, doesn't it? I mean, seriously. You get it now. Now... I never thought about the consequences of eating a rotten seed from a putrid craw of a dead, decaying bird. The devil made me do it. You know what? I can't blame it on anybody but myself. But it's worked out. It made you laugh, so it was worth it. Probably stunted my growth or something. I don't know what happened. But refusing to take personal responsibility for our actions will bring us into disobedience. I'm telling you what, you, you've got to admit it to be free. And another impetus of disobedience, number five, is blaming others for our mistakes. Not only do we have to own our own disobedience, we, we can't blame it on others. Saul continues to insist. He says it twice. I did obey. I did obey. And yet it's obvious he didn't. The king's there. The animals are there. And yet in spite of all the evidence, I obeyed God. I did what God said. 
And not only does he do that, then he goes on to say, when that's starting to slip away from him, actually, it was the soldiers who did it. I didn't even do it. It was the soldiers. He blames them twice. Verse 15, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. And in verse 19, Samuel asked Saul, why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But again, Saul shifts the blame. In verse 21, he asserts, the soldiers took the sheep and cattle from the plunder. Wow. Isn't that amazing how we shift the blame to other people? I mean, that, it's happened since Adam and Eve. When they sinned, God came to Adam and said, what have you done? He said, the woman. <laughs> Not only does he blame the woman, he says that you gave me. He blames God. <laughs> now, he's in less trouble with God than he is with the woman, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> but isn't that become part of human nature? We've all done it. We've all blamed others. And again, as long as we're blaming others, we won't be free. This is typical for Saul to blame others for his failings. But he was the king. He was in control of his army, or was he? And he was responsible for what his soldiers did or didn't do. When that wouldn't work, Saul claims they spared the animals, not to keep for ourselves. It wasn't for us. We, we kept the animals to sacrifice. I think he just pulled that out of thin air. To Saul, it was semantics. God said, slaughter the animals. Saul said, instead, I'll sacrifice the animals. Now, in both ways, they die. But one is specific to what God said, and one is not. And so Saul just said, no, it's just, it's just semantics. We, yeah, we didn't kill the animals because we're going to kill them later. He was completely missing the point, wasn't he? God told you exactly what to do and how to do it. And you interpreted it for yourself and twisted it and did it your own way. And now you're trying to justify it. But he, he was missing the point. When I was in North Dakota, there was a local bar in the town where I worked. No, I never went there. Leave me alone. <laughs> but drove by it every day on the way home. And one of the local residents frequented this establishment on a regular basis. And this guy in particular had received a DUI and he lost his license. So he could no longer drive his truck to the bar. It was way too far to walk. However, he was undeterred from getting to that bar most every night. Instead of driving his truck, he would drive his tractor and park it outside the bar. I would drive by, and there's that tractor just sitting there. After all, you don't need a license to drive a tractor. I mean, no, he was missing the point. Saul was missing the point when he said he was going to sacrifice the animals instead of slaughter them as God commanded. That prompted Samuel to say these famous words, to obey is better than sacrifice. And that just echoes throughout history. This is what God requires. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Because a sacrifice was a religious practice. But it could not be used to cancel out disobedience. I mean, you know, Saul made a sacrifice before and got in trouble. 
Because he, didn't, he, wasn't the, he wasn't supposed to make the sacrifices. He was the king. The sacrifices were up to the priests and the prophets. And so not only did he not do what God said, but he's, he's breaking the thing he did years prior. The sacrifice isn't the point. It's the heart. Our, we, we can do all sorts of religious exercises, how many you know, but what God really wants is our heart. He, wa- he wants our motives to be pure and our heart to be right. We can do the right thing with the wrong heart. And therefore it becomes the wrong thing. God's all about the heart. He always has been. Old and New Testament, it's all about the heart. And sacrifices were only good if the heart was in the right place. And Saul's heart was not in the right place. Religious rituals may have their place, but nothing is better than obedience. Obedience is better. Look at Proverbs 21, verse 3. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Once again, there are benefits to our obedience that a sacrifice cannot achieve. Obedience can benefit us in ways that sacrifice doesn't. Look at Jeremiah 7, 22. For when I brought your forefathers out of Egypt and spoke to them, I did not just give them commands about burnt offerings and sacrifices, but I gave them this command. Walk, obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Walk in the ways I command you, that it may go well with you. God said, I didn't just give you instructions about sacrifices. There are a lot of different sacrifices the people would have to make. But he said, I, I really wanted you to walk with me. I, I wanted a relationship with you. I didn't want you to just go through the motions, but I wanted your heart. And if you will walk with me this way, then it will go well with you. Do you hear that promise? That if we walk in obedience, it will go well with us. And God will be with us. When we pursue this life, it is a blessing and a benefit. But an unwillingness to take personal responsibility is a sign of disobedience. And finally, my last point that I'll get to today. Another catalyst for disobedience is number six, fear of what others may think, say, or do. Oh, this is a big one. Oh, my goodness. You know, I hate preparing for a sermon and it keeps slapping me in the face. But that's what it's all about. I'm here to tell you as your pastor, I'm with you. I walk this journey with you. I, I have struggles and challenges as well. But just because I may not have arrived, how many know God's word is still true? And so I'm challenged by this. Saul finally admits, after all this, you know, oh, I was going to make a sacrifice. Oh, it's the soldiers. The devil made me do it. After all of this, he, he finally admits what the truth is. He says, I was afraid of the people. See, none of this, he, he acted like I had a pure heart. I was going to sacrifice. I was going to do this before you, Lord. It's not my fault. It's their fault. But finally, he comes to a point where he admits the real reason he didn't obey God. And I'm telling you what, when we fear what people think about us, 
When we fear what they're saying about us or what they do, it will lead us into compromise to keep people happy. And I'm here to tell you, you can't keep people happy and keep God happy at the same time. There are times when to obey the Lord, it will upset other people. And there are many challenges in my life. And many times I look back at my life, did I compromise because I was afraid of what someone was going to say or what someone was going to think? And the answer is yes. I look back and I, I even see it in my own life. And I don't want this in my life. In verse 24, Saul finally admits, I was afraid of the people, so I gave in to them. Notice the progression. I was afraid of the people, so I gave in to them and disobeyed God. Fear of what others think about us can lead us into disobedience. Saul's fear of man would ultimately be his undoing. He feared people more than he feared God. God. If we will fear the Lord, then we won't be afraid of anyone else. The key is to have this holy, healthy fear of God. To know that he is approachable, but he is awesome. And he is a consuming fire. And we still have reverence for God. We are grateful for his grace that saves us from our sin. But at the same time, we have a holy fear of our almighty God. A respect, a reverence. The Bible warns us about the fear of man. Proverbs 29, 25. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. If we are afraid of what people think about us, we're trapped. We are totally enslaved. They own us. They control us. And that brings misery. What we need to be so concerned about is what God thinks of us. Is he pleased? Because that's all that matters. If we please God, some people will be pleased, some people won't. But what's most important is that God is pleased by our life, by our attitude, by our heart. The fear of man totally paralyzes us to do what God wants us to do and can even lead us into disobedience. Have there ever been times in that peer pressure where people have led you, tried to lead you astray and because we were afraid, we, we disobeyed? Obedience, however, gives us confidence. Disobedience brings fear. And fear brings disobedience, but obedience has just the opposite effect. Look at Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Boy, there's a sermon right there that I don't have time for. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? I want to encourage you that obedience builds confidence in your life to stand up to the bullies in this world. 
We, we need to be free of the fear of man. And, and how do we get free? We walk in obedience. The more you walk in obedience, the less you will care what your enemies think of you. And the more you will care about what God thinks of you. And that's all that matters. Would you bow your heads with me today? I want to ask this morning if you are here today and you have never given your heart to Jesus Christ. Today is the day of your salvation. We are living in perilous times. We are on the, we are on the brink of World War III. How I many know it's time to make sure we're right with God? No man knows the day or the hour when the Lord will return. And I'm, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm telling you the truth. We need to, be, to have a healthy fear of God. But if you have never given your heart to Christ, today is the day. You're not here by accident. You're here by divine design. Or maybe you've walked away from the Lord and you, read it, you realize, I've got to come home to my Father. If you want to give your heart to Christ today, if you want to come back to the Lord, would you just slip up your hand? Amen. Amen. Yes, thank you. Hands all around, raised. And if you raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask for the other Christians in the room to join with you so you, you're not alone because you're going to be a part of a family. So if you're ready to give your heart to Christ, if you're ready to rededicate your life to the Lord, please say these words after me. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. I own it. I admit it. I confess it. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and life and make me a new person. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for a new life. And thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I encourage you to tell somebody. We're going to have people up here for prayer. You can come up and tell them. Or you can write it on that card in the pew in front of you and drop it in the offering box. We want to help you on your journey. And so the usher, I mean the elders, are going to come at this time. And if you need prayer, if you gave your heart to Christ or you have a sickness or you're facing a challenge of life, we're here to stand with you and to pray with you. Would you stand with me, church? Again, I would ask we keep our conversations to the foyer because people are going to stay in worship and prayer. And this is a, this is a, a sacred time and a sacred place. The altars are always open if you want to kneel for personal prayer time. Or if you want prayer, please come and have one of these elders pray with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us today. Our worship service begins at 1030 every Sunday. You can join us in person or online. We broadcast live on both Facebook and YouTube. We would love for you to join us and be our guest this Sunday. Our address is 4901 California Avenue, 
Bakersfield, California. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.